0: Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary podcast. Do you feel like your church's facility could be preventing growth? Or are you frustrated or maybe even overwhelmed at the thought of a complicated or costly building project? Are the limitations of your church building becoming obstacles to the path of expanding your ministry? Have you ever felt that your church could reach more people If only the facility was better suited to meet the needs of your community. Well, our friends over at Rise Point have been there. They are former ministry staff and church leaders, and they understand how to prioritize and help lead your church to a place where the building really is a ministry multiplier rather than a ministry limiter. Licensed all over North America, their team of architects, interior designers, and project managers have the professional experience to help you and your church move the mission forward. Listen, I trust RisePoint; You can trust them with your project too. Check them out over at risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an e dot com. Forward slash unseminary. While you're there, pick up their free downloadable resource for your team. It's called 10 Things to Get Right Before You Build. Reach out to them today. The earlier in the project, the better. Again, that's risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an E.com forward slash unseminary today.
1: Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.
0: Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Really looking forward to today's conversation. We have got John Thompson with us. He is the lead pastor at Sanctus Church. This is a multi-site church with four campuses, if I'm counting correctly, in the greater Toronto area. You know I love Canadians here at Unseminary. Uh, Plus they do you know services online. John is just an incredible leader, but I also count him as a friend. Uh, He's a speaker, teacher, he travels... Uh, and has written a number of books that I think are just so important for us. And he's got a book coming out that, frankly, today, friends, I'm going to declare my bias right up front. I want you to pick up copies of this book. So, uh, John, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here.
2: Uh, thanks, Rich. It's great to be with you again. And yes, I count you as a good friend too.
0: Yeah, it's nice. We've been yes. in each other's orbit for. 20 ish years. And Mm -hmm. so the thing, friends, like Toronto is not an easy place to lead a church. It is not (laughs) the kind of place that's like an understatement. Uh, You know, very post Christian. um, And John is leading a thriving church called Sanctus that uh, I'm, you know, count as a real brother in the faith. They do great things, but my son is also a, a part of the team there. So I pay particular attention to Sanctus. So John, tell us a little bit about it. Let's kind of fill out your story. Tell us a little bit about the church, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So I've been on staff 26 years in this church. Amazing. This has been my whole run. And uh, uh, this is a multi-site church. There's four physical locations now. And like you said, one one virtual. And uh, when I joined this church, I joined this church actually when I was 14 years old. I had an encounter with Jesus who was told to come. And mm. have never left. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting church. Uh, it's had four or five very significant iterations. As mm-hmm. you know, we, you and I have talked about this. We were historically, mm-hmm. you know, like a very willow-eyes seeker church. And the joke you and I have had is I'm a contemplative, exegete, Calvinist, charismatic, who leads <laughs> a megachurch. And what? Yes. Anyway, and how that yes. transformation yes. has happened. And so wrestling through multiculturalism you know leading in the fourth largest city in north america totally re, you know post-christian to repaganizing working mm-hmm. through spiritual gifts and disciplines and spiritual conflict and politics and we now have 55 nations part of our church so I'm wrestling through how you do multiculturalism well and keeping unity in mm-hmm. jesus and all the things i used to have a mm-hmm. lot more hair we both did uh, <laughs> yeah i love it in an ancient what? time
0: T- tell us a little bit about your family too. Just give us kind of the the personal slice a little bit
2: too yeah, so uh been married for twenty three years uh interestingly, mm-hmm. I was planning on not getting married. I had actually mm. done sort of the small c Catholic thing where I was gonna be celibate and single for the sake of the church. And then the Lord actually, and I don't believe this is true in all cases. Uh, my mm. wife became a Christian actually at a mutual place that you and I both love at Muskoka woods. So she mm, became a Muskoka Christian woods. there. Right. And yep. then um, she came to our church and the Lord, she had encountered the Lord's like, you need to marry that guy. So that was an interesting conversation because she was supposed to marry I've me and I wasn't married. Yeah. I don't know why I've never yeah, heard yeah. that. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and pulled a Martin Luther. Anyway. So yeah. we, um, married. We've got three kids. I have a 16 year old. I have a 14 year old and I have a 12 year old and life is interesting all the time.
0: <laughs> nice. So good. Well, I, so first of all, I just want to take a moment and honor you publicly. 26 years at Sanctus, that's that's a milestone. That's not the kind of thing that happens all the time. You know, it seems like the average pastor is is measured in months, let alone years. Yeah. And so, the fact that you've been serving there for twenty six years as a friend, I want to say thank you, thank you for your faithfulness to that community. You know, you are, uh, you know, you're just a gift to uh, the body of Christ in the Greater Toronto area, and I'm just honored uh, to to kind of celebrate this milestone. And you know, I, I was saying this to a, a, another friend of mine who reached 25 years. I said, you know, they're just—we don't have enough of these stories out here. We don't have enough of these people that mm-hmm. we get a chance to kind of say, like, "Hey, wow, you know, good for you." And I count that in myself. I've had the privilege of serving in a number of contexts, but uh, just amazing that you've been there for that uh, that season. Why don't we start with? Okay. So tell us about that. What was it that, you know, got you started at the church and then kind of give us your story over those 25 years. That's, that's, I know is a big question. Compress 25 years in a couple minutes, but tell us that story.
2: So no, like, so I, I come from a generation, my parents were a missionary. So I come from the generation, the eighties, I grew up overseas Mm pre-internet, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. And so Mm -hmm. lived in that world and, um, and came back off the mission field as they used to say don't say that anymore and, and that's okay <laughs> and uh and so was attending this little church in Toronto on the east side of Toronto and uh, in grade seven and eight it was a very pivotal moment youth pastors basically saved my spiritual life and mm. in the middle of that grade eight to grade nine uh, I had a calling to ministry which is a different conversation maybe for later mm. uh and, and then and then basically um As that took place uh, in grade nine, uh, I had an encounter with Jesus and he basically said, Mm -hmm. I want you to go to this other church. And so Mm -hmm. I came, I was in youth group. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, the youth pastor said, hey, have you ever preached before? I was like, no and he's like well we you need to start learning and that's how it started so I was there wow. served in youth group as one of the crazy you know youth guys and then from there started my undergrad in theology and then ran the young adults thing and then wanted to become a professor never wanted to be a pastor and all that stuff and then uh suddenly became the youth pastor at that church unexpectedly I was youth pastor for a very long time uh young adults youth junior high introduction of like you know adolescence and then all that stuff and then at 30 years old became senior pastor and uh then led multiple iterations of the church from that point forward
0: yeah let's let's stick with the calling piece there let's talk about that a little bit because i know this is one of the things you talk about in your book but but i also want to talk you know often i have not done a lot of um counseling premarital counseling but i have done a little bit and one of the questions i'll ask is you know this isn't on the first session it'll be a couple sessions in I'll say, "Hey, so you know there's a some percentage of of marriages that don't make it and um obviously, none of the people that are in pre marriage counseling are thinking that they're going to be in that that percentage that don't make it they everyone stands on their wedding day and says, "Well, well this is going to be great I'm going to be you know this we're going to make it for the long haul, but sadly, they don't. The same is true with our calling. I feel like man, there are people who at certain points in our lives. They like say, God called me into this thing. And then, and then we find ourselves, whatever, 10 years later, discouraged, you know, and we end up in real estate. Like, how does that happen? What's the connection between understanding our calling or listening to our calling and persevering in ministry? How do those connect?
2: Yeah. So I think it's the ballgame and I think calling has been mm-hmm. lost. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, in this, one of the things I think of two or three chapters at the beginning, I talked about this. So, um, I'll talk about it in three different ways. Number one, you mm. got to re- realize that there are four calling theologies in Scripture, not one, and this actually leads to part of the problem. We all know that marriages break when expectations are not clear, and mm-hmm. so if you only have one view of calling and you don't have that, you probably will end up leaving. So I mm. jokingly say uh, my calling experience is like Jeremiah and Paul. Oh crap! I have no choice. It is so. There was no debate <laughs> with the living God. I I was yes. literally in grade seven and eight. And my parents weren't pressuring me. There was no, zero um, conversation mm-hmm. about ministry. And I literally encountered the Lord. And he said, you need to be a pastor. To a grade 12 boy, a, sorry, a mm-hmm. 12-year-old mm-hmm. boy. And I remember <laughs> saying to him, I don't know if I want to obey you sexually. That was my first statement. Uh, <laughs> and my second one was, I don't know if I'd love your church enough. And I wrestled for two years. Mm-hmm. And in grade mm-hmm. nine, which again is very young and weird, when I got mm-hmm. baptized, uh, I also said to the Lord, I'll, I'll obey. I'll obey. And that was a Mm, vow moment for me. And, and so um, that's, you know, a profound sort of shocking story. Um, And then of course that started making sense because as this happened longer and longer, my parents said, "Well, that's really weird. That happened to you because we never told you this, but when you were six months old, we were at this evangelistic thing by a guy named Barry Moore, who was like the Billy Graham of Canada in the Mm -hmm, mm seventies and very conservative dude. And he walked up and put his hand over my head and said, this child, will be a pastor and event like set all this stuff over me and walked away. My parents were like Baptist wow. people, like that's weird. And what, what's that about? Yeah. And they totally yeah. forgot about it. And it was confirmed. So that, huh. that sense of sovereign decision affected how I did high school, everything. The dark side of it was, I thought that was the only view of calling. So I would dismiss other people's mm. calling and be arrogant and look down, but there are three mm. other callings. So you've got mm-hmm. like, the Timothy, there's a spiritual set of gifts that you have. And that intersection of those gifts says, yes, there's longevity in vocational ministry. You got the Mm -hmm. boring book of Acts where they literally vote and say, I think you'll do it great at this. And there's no fire (laughs) tunnel or Gabriel or anything at all. And then there's the very Mm -hmm. un-North American one, right? Which is the Hannah and Samuel one, which basically Mm. says like, we as the family have prayed and you you are called into this. So Mm. I, I found that a lot of us, need to uh, find out how we were called, in what style we were called, and then know it's true, compare our stories Mm -hmm. with others so there's no disunity, over-spiritualizing, under-spiritualizing, all that stuff. That's Mm -hmm. the epicenter to keep going when things suck.
1: Hmm.
2: Because if you don't know if you're called and things are bad, you won't like we live in a culture, you and I both know this, that it's all about mm-hmm. epicness and amazing and it's adrenaline dri- driven <laughs> and, and, yes. and, it's, and we want to live life like a, like a Marvel movie. It was this and it was this mm-hmm. and it was this. And we read the mm-hmm. Bible the same way. This happened and that mm-hmm. happened. It was so incredible. And mm-hmm. we missed the 100 years and 20 years and 30 years yes. between yes. yes: It's like in marriage. Yes. If marriage always is mm-hmm. epic we all know who are married long-term, it's not always happening. Mm-hmm. It's boring. It's not great. Sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so what mm-hmm. I have found is there's been a generation or two of leaders that have forgotten calling theology, don't have language for it, haven't compared the story. So when the tough thing comes, you don't persevere because you're not really sure if you were asked in right. the first place.
0: Yeah, that's that's good. I love that. I, you know, I think there is... It's similar. I, I find in my own um, kind of reflection on ministry that um, it's comparable to to marriage. In that, like I, you know, there are lots of days that are not that, to your point, not that interesting. There are lots of days that are just work, <laughs> you know. There are, but I find over the long haul, man, the being able to walk the long road and look back and see God at work consistently over the years, man, what a gift that has been uh, to me personally, sticking with calling for a section second. Um, one of the things you talked about was, you know, fleshing this out in community. What does that look like? How do we do that? Let's say I'm a young leader. I'm in my twenties. I'm thinking about this. I think maybe I'm, you know, maybe this is the kind of call I'm ha you know, this is what I'm called to do. Um, but I'm serving in a church as a youth pastor for the first time. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know. How do I flesh this thing out in community? What do I do? Who do I talk to?
2: Yeah. Well, I would say one of the most significant things is um, back you know, in leadership studies, they always say, go back and find out how life affected you. So, you know, zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15, 15 Mm -hmm, to 20, mm -hmm. whatever. And they say, what books did you read? What podcast you listen to? What major events happened in the world? What never Mm -hmm. happens is tell me what was prayed over you. Tell me the experiences you had with the Mm -hmm. Lord. Like no one goes back and looks for the pattern of dots. You need to do that. If you come from a family of faith, some of you don't. But lots of mm-hmm. us who do. What did Grandma pray over you? What, what happened mm-hmm. when they found that they were pregnant and they started praying? What what was stated or prayed over you? And then sit with mature Christians and start saying, I think I'm vocationally called. Can we sit and pray over this and talk about this? But have mm-hmm. the four categories of calling because again, First Corinthians four to me is the passage about this where Paul says you must view us as those who are entrusted with the mysteries of Christ and and are mm-hmm. stewards of the household of God. And the word steward is wild because the word steward means the one who is a slave but owns nothing but still in charge. Mm. If you don't know you're called, you won't think you have the authority to lead, and you'll also forget you own nothing. But to evaluate if you got that position, you've got to do it in community, pastors, friends, leaders. Because if Mm. you think you're called and everyone else says you're probably not, you need to pay attention. There's a lot of people, (laughs) and Rich, you and I know this. There's a lot of people who went into ministry because they couldn't hack it somewhere else.
0: Mm. (laughs) <laughs>
2: and it's devastating yes.
0: because yeah. this yeah.
2: is not what you get into long-term. What? No. Why be a pastor or a leader, a faith leader? Like being a mm-hmm. faith leader now is incredibly personally dangerous. It's mm-hmm. dangerous to your reputation, your family. It's not great okay. pay. We all know it. And
1: mm-hmm. it's
2: like being a politician these days, but God and the devil's involved. Who would want that? Mm. I don't.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. So you, uh, you putting down kind of your thoughts at you and you called it out halfway through your journey, you, you know, you, you flagged it. Um, what was, as you pulled this together, what would you say was the hardest part to pull, pull together from an kind of a transparency point of view? You felt like, Ooh, this is the most vulnerable piece of this dialogue. This is the piece that, that feels a little bit like, Ooh, I'm not sure I want to say this. But I know you. You're a transparent kind of communicator. You want to, uh, you know, let people in. Talk to me about that.
2: Yeah. So I started writing this in 2019, just before the pandemic began. So the joke, I have great time. uh, The joke always (laughs) is that the world ended because I was writing a book on perseverance, and it's all my (laughs) fault. Um, Yeah. So here's here's what happened um, to me while I was writing it and and the thought process the theology the experiential on the ground uh stuff was there mm-hmm. but i knew that i had to talk about fear in this book mm-hmm. I, I knew i had to in 2019 mm-hmm. uh leading through the pandemic for any of us was terrible leading through the pandemic in toronto was horrific yeah um yep. and there was yeah. five sort of volcanoes that happened all at once and so you know you. Anyway, there, there's lots that mm-hmm. happened here. I'm not saying, yes. oh, our life was worse than yours. I'm just saying our lockdowns were way longer than most of the world. Um, you know, the the death of George Floyd, the murder of him had massive impact here. A very mm-hmm. significant megachurch collapse during, um, during COVID also that affected all of us that both Rich and I are mm-hmm. connected to relationally mm-hmm. and historically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was all sorts of staff issues that happened and then on and on and on. So here's, here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I was struck about how much I loved God and how much I didn't trust him. Mm. And, um, Oof. love and trust are fundamentally two different things.
0: Oh, unpack I, that. That's good. That's yeah. Good. So
2: I, I love God deeply,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, deeply. I, um, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see Jesus. I
0: mm-hmm.
2: can't wait to see him. Mm-hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what Paul says in Corinthians, I think it's second Corinthians that, you know, I think maybe I'm going to misquote, but you know, it's better to be away from Mm -hmm. the body at home with the Lord. Like that,
0: that's Mm -hmm. not true
2: for me every day, but I do love Mm -hmm. him. I love him more than my wife and kids and I love them a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I realized that uh, during leading during COVID and leading for 25 years and, Being an exegetical preaching type guy who goes through books and doesn't avoid difficult topics, talking about that and having now a global Mm -hmm. sort of platform, not just a small little one. And I don't mean Mm that arrogantly, just the influence is wider Mm -hmm. than it was. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, crap, I'm actually really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm really. And so what happened was I realized how much fear was inside my head. And, and so what I did is I, I, um, I wrote down, uh, on notes on my computer, every fear in my head, whether it was logical, whether it was rational. And I suddenly re I couldn't believe how many things about Mm. me, my marriage, my identity, my life, my future, life, death, reputation. And see, got to remember too, like, um, Because of my upbringing, my parents are awesome, but my mom had horrific postpartum depression, so didn't Mm -hmm. hold me for six months. So there's attachment issues. My dad clinically burnt out on the mission field. Mm -hmm. I moved fourteen times. I was exposed sexually to stuff way too young, Mm -hmm. not by them, but in other contexts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you know, there's a presupposition or a a, to, to abandonment. And then I was mm-hmm. like, so I love God deeply. And I'm a Calvinist, mm-hmm. not angry, mm-hmm. but I'm a Calvinist. We always, you and I joke. <laughs> uh, and so I, I have a high view of sovereignty and a high mm-hmm. view of God's glory. And I said to God, so I've read my Bible and I'm under no illusion that I get out okay. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've read church history and I've been to 40 right. countries. I'm under no illusion that Christianity equals safety. And right. then I was like, oh my goodness, so I am so afraid. And then I said to the Lord, and actually, I don't know if you'll have my back. I know you've got the resurrection. Mm. And I know you've called me, but wonder if you destroy me in the middle, because mm. it brings you glory.
1: Mm. And
2: I was like, mm. and it just, it, just froze, it just froze me. It just, mm. it just undid me. And so I think what I've realized is, there is, it doesn't matter your personality, background, even what theological way you ebb. The amount of fear that sits in leaders' lives is just exponential. It's our our families are no different than anyone else's. Uh, and then we have, you know, the pressures of leading in the twenty first you know twenty twenty three with social media and automatic responses and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's mm-hmm. all the soul stuff and the, can I keep my soul going at the pace I'm supposed to be leading at?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and so just to end this part, what happened was I started realizing Romans five says that the Holy spirit is the love of God poured out in my heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I realized that Paul said in Ephesians three, that we can know the unknowable love of God, which is paradox. So I started saying to the Holy spirit, if you're the love of the father already in me, and I can know an unknowable thing and perfect love casts out fear, which that means you're the one who casts out fear mm-hmm. then I have mm-hmm. to start inviting you systematically to do that wow. into the fear each one of them and say to them, are you going to destroy me? And even if you say, yes, what am I going to do with that? Hmm. Ma- wow. Massive and not done by the way, right?
0: Yeah. I was going to say that's, that feels like a lifelong journey though. That feels like a, you know, second half uh, journey. Let, let's pivot in a, in a slightly different direction, obviously related. So I um, when I think about the gifts of the spirit, when I think about um, you know, the fruits of the spirit you know, the things, the power side, I often think of you and you've shaped my thinking on this front in a bunch. And I got thinking about this, this whole area of our gifting and then the place we bring to it from like, you know, that we have to invest in growing what God has given us or invest in the skills that we have. You know, you're a gifted communicator. I, I put you and I use that word very specifically. God has gifted you as a teacher. You're and I, and i i think of that from a like the results are greater than the input i think what you do is really good but man when you speak god uses you mm-hmm. but there's a part of this that you have to keep working on that you have to keep saying like i've got to invest in that i've got to spend time there it's not just magical it's not just like hey god's given you this and it's it's magical here you are halfway through your your ministry career how are you thinking about that areas of gifting and then your need to continue to invest in those things? How does how does that, how do those interplay with each other?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to start, um, I'm going to start in one angle and end up in the other, as you know, I will. So, uh, I think one of the most important ways to persevere long-term and I want to qualify this. I'm not saying I'm going to make it Mm. as I get going (laughs) here. Like I'm only 48. Uh the scriptures are clear. Only thirty percent of leaders make it to the end well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And church history tells us the same. So the stats mm-hmm. aren't great <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for us. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy, Christ mm-hmm. has mercy, as our mm-hmm. anchor brothers yeah. and sisters say. But here's here's one of the other things that helped me in and around gifts and perseverance, and then I'll get to the craft. Mm-hmm. One of the most freeing things for me, which I've shared with you before, is actually hearing God's no before his yes. And I think most North American leaders have been taught, you can do basically anything if you work harder. And I say, it's a lie. It's a total Mm. lie. And actually, as I interview leaders that have fallen or walked away, almost all of them talk about this expectation dream they had, of what ministry would look like. And when it didn't culminate into that expectation, they say either God lied. I didn't hear him, the devil's too strong, or I was never called, and it breaks. Romans 12, which is actually a a passage about spiritual gifts. Most -hmm. people only preach the first two verses. Just keep going, everyone. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Right? Yes. Paul not only talks about the sovereign assignment of gifts. In other words, it's not a buffet. He chooses what you get, which, by the way, a Mm -hmm. lot of leaders need to humble themselves and really have that conversation. Mm -hmm. There's also this phrase, he says, the measure of grace. And mm-hmm. so the implication is I not only don't get to choose what spiritual gift I get, he determines how much influence behind that gift I get. So I always use the illustration of like mm. a river and there's riverbanks. In other words, you can't surpass the sovereign decision of where the riverbanks are, no matter how much you mm. work on your craft. Mm. So if let's say there's four people, with the gift of teaching, and they're all sovereignly mm-hmm. gifted the spirit of God might give in one a Creek of influence or to use charismatic word anointing or Baptist, umph, mm. whatever, right? <laughs> right. So a Creek, someone might have a river. Someone might mm. have a major river. Someone might have an ocean. All four of them have the same gift, but if the person with the Creek believes they should have the ocean and they've never asked if God's going to give them the ocean, they'll think they'll get the ocean if they were hard enough and they won't. And then they'll think they've failed. Mm. So mm. I say to leaders all the time, no matter okay. how long, just ask God, What gifts do I have? What gifts will I never have? And the real question I actually ask people is, please ask God what you will never have an influence. So you can actually base Mm. your ministry excitement and dreams in God's no, because then Mm. you can rest. Right. You can, because so so many of us don't rest because we still believe this thing's going to happen, or we're going to accomplish this thing. And if you sat with a group of honest friends, they're like, that is never going to happen because you're not even spiritually gifted that way. And have you asked God's no. So the reason why I'm saying this to your question is mm-hmm. for me, God's no, I know what gifts I don't have. And I've also been told by the Lord mm-hmm. what influence I'll never have. So right. every time I'm tempted to look over like Peter did to John after his restoration and say, but what about John? Jesus goes, what a business is that? In? what?" well, <laughs> well, what, I'm, why are you looking at that leader with no, that platform good, or that is, I, shh, I'm talking to you? So that's free. Mm. And then once I know the limitations, then it is just the due diligence of doing that work consistently. The 10,000 principle is still true in the natural mm. sense of getting better, mm. getting feedback, learning through it. But the heart of the victory is not the, the working on the craft. It's actually knowing where, if it's a spiritual gift, not a natural or acquired gift and deeper than that, knowing when God has said no to me,
0: it's, Hmm. that's good.
2: It's revolutionary. I tried to do 80% of my ministry only in spiritual gifts.
0: Right. Dude, that's uh, that right there. I hope you were listening, friends. Uh, you know, there there could be, particularly if you're a younger leader, listen in. What rewind what John just said. Go back again. Ask the Lord where what is His no for you, man. I think that is a great uh, a great word. Again, pivoting in a totally different direction. Not really about your book, but I just value your thinking on this, and I want to keep you know asking these kinds of questions. So. Um, for folks that don't know Sanctus's history, you mentioned this on the front end, you know, Sanctus at one point in our part of the world was like middle of the bell curve, um, you know, attractional, like they did the skits like willow kind of church. Like that was the church. Um, and that's not the case today. The church has uh, has, I think, is a forefront leader in providing, or providing is the wrong word, Cultivating accessible encounters with God in Mm -hmm. a way that is accessible to people who, in a culture that is maybe post-Christian, pre-Christian, or like you said, cultivating pagan today. I thought, wow, that's an interesting, that's an interesting phrase. Um, Talk to us about accessible encounters because I see this happening all over the place. I see, I see churches that came from the attractional background saying, "Hey, if people just show up and find us, there's a problem because that if it's just about us, that's a problem. That's not good." And then the same, I would say churches that are more on the charismatic side are saying, we need this to be accessible. We need this to actually reach people outside of our our doors. It can't just be about creating a great kind of holy huddle here. Talk to us about accessible encounter. What should we be thinking about? How should we be leading in that in our areas? And I realize I asked that with like Two minutes left, but you know, yeah. take our time. What what do we what let's let's unpack that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think one of the best ways to talk about this is we've based our discipleship and our evangelism not in class, but in encounter. And so mm. what we did is we took a lot of time to read through the scriptures and asked a question. And the question is, where does God say he will be encountered beyond omnipresence? So the phraseology we use here all the time is where does God move from omnipresence to palpability? and interestingly mm-hmm. uh the when the gospel is shared the, the life death and resurrection of jesus is shared he's mm-hmm. that's a, uh you know gathered worship communion mm-hmm. baptism there's all these areas and um we would say like for example at communion we don't think he's in the elements we, we don't have a catholic perspective but we don't also have the historic mm-hmm. baptist perspective it's bare memorialism we would say he's at the table he's not in the elements but what mm-hmm. happened was When we started being honest about what the scripture said, where he was, we started saying Mm. to our people, he's actually here because he says he is. Right when that happened, the whole church changed. Because then Mm. people said, oh my goodness, I'm going to meet the living Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the whole spiritual atmosphere of the church changed because we started using phrases like, this is a guaranteed place of encounter. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, this in our context, regularly, we talk to seekers, skeptics, people from other faiths. Like, we don't just Mm -hmm. say seeker. I can't stand what church is Mm -hmm. saying. Hey, if you're a seeker here today, I'm like, don't presume Mm -hmm. they're a seeker. There are seekers among us and there are skeptics and there are people from other faiths and there are spiritual people and agnostics Mm -hmm. and atheists. We call them all out in our services and we Mm -hmm. invite them also to encounter But encounter through Mm -hmm. repentance. And so I would say when you start teaching your whole community where guaranteed places of encounter are, and the expectations reorient themselves biblically, suddenly the atmosphere of the church moves from programmatic understanding to encounter. So spiritual gifts is one of those Mm -hmm. like we've talked about. Mm -hmm. I think that builds such longevity. But then you have to, Mm -hmm. and as we're literally ending, then you have to have a theology Mm -hmm. of disciplines and gifts. And you also have to think through how you uh, not only invite into encounter, but how you interpret. One of the biggest problems we've got in multiple churches is that they don't have an understanding of spiritual theology. Spiritual theology is the systematic evaluation of spiritual experiences from a biblical worldview. If you Mm -hmm. can't do that, then you can't invite encounter. Most of us want to dismiss encounter or experience because it's too complicated and we're trying to run a church. But the role of pastors and leaders is not to dismiss encounter. It's actually to interpret the source of it. God, Satan, the tacos from last night, mental illness, or too much Netflix. That's Mm. our responsibility. And when it's from the Lord, then we have to start saying that's important. And for some of you more conservative Mm. living out there, maybe a little passing throwing of a grenade as I end, don't presume (laughs) weird is wrong.
0: Weird Mm. is weird.
2: The question is, what's the source of the weird? And remember, weird is
0: cultural. Mm-hmm. Just want to say that. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Yeah, John, there's a lot there. And, you know, I appreciate your, I would really encourage people to follow you, follow what you're doing. This is one of the books you've written. You've written, you know, others that touch on some of that stuff in a deeper uh, way. But, I, you know, I just value your leadership in, in so many ways. And again, just want to honor you. Thank you for for being here today. Um, If people want to pick up this current book, so this is Perseverance, 15 Reflections on Christian Ministry at the halfway point, an invitation to make it to the finish line, oh God help um which i which i love <laughs> like that's a fantastic title uh obviously you can get it at amazon are there other places we want and we'll link to it in the show notes but where do we want to send people online if they want to pick it up
2: yeah anyone can you can grab that anywhere on amazon, in amazon and any amazon store globally if you're in the united states you can get it digitally and physically through barnes and noble if you're in mm-hmm. canada and you want a virtual copy like we've got it on Kobu, kindle all mm-hmm. those places mm-hmm. yeah
0: Yeah. Love it. And you know what I, to be honest, friends, when I, I had got a chance to see an early copy of this and I thought, man, this would be a great gift for teams to do together. Like let's actually have this conversation. You know, this is a great time of year to be thinking about, okay, what are we doing next quarter? Let's buy a bunch of copies of these books and read them together as a team, and then say, hey, let's talk about these in relation to our ministry and where we're at. I think, personally, I think, John, you've done a, a favor here to leadership teams to really spur some really next-level conversations with our with our people. So I I would strongly encourage people that are listening in to pick up, don't pick up one copy, just buy a bunch for your whole team and and go through it together. John, I'm going to give you the final words here. Anything else you want to say just as we close off today's episode?
2: Yeah, all, all I would like to say is if you are considering Christian leadership, if you are a Christian leader or you've been a Christian leader, I just want to encourage you uh, marathon, not sprint mm. and keep being faithful at the end of the day. Mm. Everyone, when we see Jesus face to face, we're going to want to give Him everything. Mm. Just don't, don't forget in the middle of the social media and the politics and the board stuff and the people and the pressures and the fear and the questions. Um, when you see him, You'll want to give them everything, so don't give in and don't give up.
0: Thanks so much, John. If people want to track with you online or with the church, where do we want to send them?
2: Uh, Instagram: Pastor John underscore T Sanctus Church dot com, and then just because uh, inundation: uh, John Thompson Resources dot com. That's J O N. That's got all the books, the sermons, and everything. It's just it's a place to have all the things.
0: Yeah, totally. Great. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate being here. Always a great. And come back anytime. I'd love to have you back on in the future.
1: Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Unseminary. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.